Welcome to the Pipeline Award-Winning Podcast. As always, I am your host, Jason Gibbs. You can find me on Twitter at Pipeline underscore, and you can find me coming through your earbuds right now. I'm going to bring on my number one partner in crime, KSD from Pre-Game Empire. He's just back from his assignment as a videographer from an undisclosed hotel in Dubai. KSD, how are we doing? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing good, Jason. Um, yeah, the, uh, the 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 trip to uh, to Dubai was a little uh, a little crazy, but um, did you film anything uh, weird? <laughs> I, uh, I I don't know. I, I don't I don't know what would, what would count as noteworthy filming, but I do I do want to uh, to take credit. Uh, I'll just I'll just take credit on behalf of the college football internet for the fact that we got game day to go to Kansas. I think you're right. I think we're probably the leading force in that. And we were we were threatening to boycott Twitter. Twitter made some calls, changed Herb Street's tanning salon to <laughs> Lawrence. And here we go. Kansas ranked. Syracuse ranked. I'm not sure if this is like a basketball poll or what, but unbelievable turn of events. And really, the football world is on its head. But let's start. No further than the team that's apparently turning all the other teams it plays on its head, and that is Nebraska. The Nebraska curse. You thought it was a Scott Frost thing, KSD, but it's really this. If you play Nebraska, you're, the rest of your games apparently are going to go poorly. Since they played Nebraska, first game of the season, week zero, Northwestern has gone 0-4. Georgia Southern, since they played Nebraska, they've gone 1-2. Oklahoma, since they played Nebraska, 0-2. I'm not sure what it was. I'm, I'm not sure if it's some stench from Scott Frost, but you don't want to play Nebraska right now because you might beat them, but you're going to lose the rest of your games, I guess. So I have two thoughts regarding this just off the top here. One is that Georgia Southern had maybe the most brutal way to uh, to continue the curse this weekend as they uh, they lost to Coastal Carolina, who's still undefeated, by the way, but – they lost to Coastal Carolina on basically a game-winning hurdle touchdown in the last minute. <laughs> and this is – I know Dorian Thompson-Robinson on Friday had an incredible hurdle where he got almost as much air as I've ever seen anybody get on a hurdle play. This Coastal Carolina one um, was was a unique one. And I saw somebody say this on Twitter, and I, I, I don't remember who this was, so I apologize. But I think it's a, a completely accurate description of it. And it said this hurdle – looked like Mario jumping on top of, you know, one of those Koopa turtle <laughs> things. Like, because Buddy, like, kind of springs off of this dude's helmet and gets even more, like, amplitude on the hurdle off of, like, kind of actually, like, looking like he literally steps on this guy's helmet, like he, like Mario stepping on a, on a turtle shell. So, um, I mean that's that's a pretty brutal way to lose when you get uh, you get turtle shelled on on the way to to a game winning touchdown um, on this one. But second second thought on the Nebraska curse is so um, we saw we, we saw how it affected Northwestern. Obviously, Northwestern is, is sort of a unique case here since um, you know that they, they beat um, Nebraska halfway around the world. Another unique case I, I want to uh, pose with the Nebraska curse here is Indiana this past week because Indiana did the rare thing of actually losing to Nebraska this year. So does does it have maybe reverse effect on Indiana? Like is Indiana about to to go on a win streak? You know, are they about to you know take a stranglehold of the Big Ten West because they lost to Nebraska? I mean, I think uh, I think it's something that we have to to consider. I think it's a possibility that we have to to weigh here as part of uh, as part of our analysis of the Nebraska curse. 
Well, just in case, I just placed a huge bet on Indiana to make the college football playoff. <laughs> I plan on retiring at the end of this football season. You know, the Nebraska thing's so strange, and it leads us actually into our next segue. It's a perfect segue because we're talking about Northwestern being 0-4. But, of course, they their win against Nebraska is a conference victory, which puts them at 1-1, tied for first with virtually every team in the world in the Big Ten West. Illinois tied for first, 1-1. One one. Iowa tied for first, 1-1. One one. Minnesota, 1-1. One one. Nebraska, 1-1. One one. Northwestern, 1-1. One one. Purdue, 1-1. One one. And, of course... Wisconsin in last place at 0 and 2, which will get us to something else in just a second. But I think this could be chaos with a capital K. I want <laughs> as many teams to finish tied because you know, KSD. When you think about if if you, I don't know if you've ever looked at the NFL tiebreakers when it comes to playoffs. Uh huh. It's it's like eight or nine levels of things. It, it, <laughs> you know, it's like head to head, and then conference victories and then they start getting into like strength of victories and points scored <laughs> on a you know monday night game and it's it's weird and then the last one this is definitely this is true it's a coin flip so yeah. if you get through like eight or nine levels of tying you get down and imagine making the playoffs because you you want a coin flip <laughs> i don't know what the big 10 tiebreakers are but i want to get to them and i want to and i want some team to make the the Big Ten Conference Championship because they won a coin flip. I mean, I feel like the in the Big Ten West, that one of the tiebreakers has to be like each team gets to pick five offensive linemen to participate in some sort of eating contest. Like maybe, you know, you're eating corn or it's eating, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, like wintry type, you know, chili or, or dish of that nature. But um but that, that should definitely be one of the tiebreakers is some sort of some sort of Joey Chestnut style eating competition where each team nominates their five best eaters. Obviously, you're going to pick five offensive linemen. But um, the, the, yeah, the big the Big Ten West is doing their, their best ACC Coastal because everybody every year everybody wants wants all seven teams in the ACC Coastal to finish four and four. Which uh, this year it looks like I mean that's something that could be on the table because you're just looking at the standings right now. Obviously, ACC is not quite as deep into conference play with having the extra non-conference game as the Big Ten, but Duke and Carolina both one and zero. Oh. Georgia Tech with the big win over Pitt is one and one. Virginia Tech one and one. Miami's yet to play a conference game, and then Pitt and Virginia are both winless in the ACC so far. So we have some uh, some potential chaos in the ACC Coastal as well, but that's par for the course. That's not as big of a deal. Um. I do think you, you hinted at something uh, something bigger regarding Big Ten West talk. I, the, uh, the the biggest the, the biggest rationalization I can find for Wisconsin firing Paul Chris today is that they are last in this Big Ten West. I mean that's pretty terrible because <laughs> this Big Ten West is historically bad. So I mean, it, it, is it a weird firing? Yes, but if you look at it through that lens, it sounds pretty justifiable to me. It was a head scratcher to say the least when we. There, someone put up a list of all the coaches that have been fired this year. And of course it's like Herm Edwards and Carl Durrell and Scott Frost. And it's like losing record, losing record, losing record, Paul Chris, <laughs> like 50 games over 500. <laughs> and well, I think I mean, he had, just... I think he had like nine wins a season every time he's been there or something, just a yeah. total shocker to me. Well, yeah. I mean, like if you look at the two coaches fired today, so Carl Durrell and Paul Chris are fired today. Colorado is in the contingent for maybe the worst power five team ever. They are definitely the worst Colorado team of all time. They're going to go winless. That's pretty much a given at this point. I think I want to say um, 
I forgot the, the the official stat site that that puts this out, but there's it might be Sports Reference or something of that ilk has a, a stat that basically would have Colorado as a touchdown, like 2022 Colorado as a touchdown underdog against any Colorado team of all time. Like even the worst Colorado teams before now are still a touchdown better. So all I say is Colorado is very bad, and Wisconsin's not good either, but. Like you said, Paul Chris has won about nine or ten games a year there. They've made New Year's Six Bowls. They've, you know, played for the Big Ten title. Like, they've been in, in the conversation. But going going back to the Big Ten West here, I do think that we, we we need to do a little bit of a division shakeup here in the Big Ten just for this year only. And here's what I propose. So Michigan and Ohio State are clearly the two best teams in the conference. There, there's no debate there. They're 2-0 in the Big Ten. Penn State is also 2-0 in the Big Ten and is clearly – right in that same conversation with Michigan and Ohio State as these are the three best teams in the Big Ten. So, if, again, and we're looking at the Big Ten East now. So, scroll down here. Rutgers and Michigan State are both 0-2 in the Big Ten East. Michigan State has fallen all the way off the cliff after making the Peach Bowl last year. Rutgers is just kind of doing normal rutgers stuff where they're fine, they're not great, they're not terrible, but they're still 0-2 in the Big Ten to start. Indiana and Maryland are both 1-1 in the Big Ten at this point. Let's uh, – Let's at, at this point, and this this could be subject to change. This, this might not be the last move I want to make in this regard with the Big Ten. Let's move Indiana and Maryland to the Big Ten West for this season. Not move anybody to the East. We're just going to shrink the East because who cares? And just make it a just massive jumble. Just, just make the jumble even bigger in the Big Ten West. And uh, you know, Rutgers or Michigan State decides to, to win a couple games and get you know maybe back in that conversation. They can move over too if. If Penn State, Michigan, or Ohio State wants to drop a couple and, and join the party in the Big Ten West, we'll move them there too. But let's uh, let's move Indiana and Maryland and, and make it a nine-team division, and we'll just do the division of one division is all the good and bad teams, and the other is all the teams who could finish you know, five and four in the conference. That's perfect. So we have a, a very top-heavy and a very bottom-heavy division, and then total mediocrity in yeah, the other like division. We, we, we all know the, the winner of the Big Ten East is going to be Michigan, Ohio State, or Penn State. Like, whichever one of those teams beats two of the other three or all three of the other three is going to win a division. And one of them is going to do that. There's no uh, no debate there. And Rutgers and Michigan State are already out of it, so who cares? You know, like, but let's, <laughs> let, 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 let's, let's keep it interesting here. And talking about the tiebreaker made me think of just, just one example. I remember – um, what was it? Was was 2008 when Michael Crabtree had the the catch against Texas? Like that, I, I think that it Texas was 07, 08, somewhere around yeah. there. I think I think it was 08. Um, because if you'll recall, Texas, Oklahoma, and Texas Tech that year, and this is back. This is how you know it's old. It's back when the Big 12 actually had divisions. Um, Texas, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma all tied for for first in the division at seven one in the conference or eight one. I don't remember if they played eight or nine games back then. Eleven to one overall. But each one of them, they'd all beaten the other. Like they were all the others one loss. And and if I recall, I think I I think I don't remember which one went to the tie. I think it was Texas. But I think the tiebreaker was was BCS ranking at that point. Yeah, but I think you're right. I, I think yeah, you're that, right. I think that that's the weirdest divisional tie I can ever remember. <laughs> Something that happens totally outside of your control and probably computers heavily involved. Hey, well, let's see where we get to. Keep adding teams. We'll shake this. We'll shake this conference up <laughs> well, as we go along for the year. I mean, well, I mean, everybody talks about conference realignment. Like, let's 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 go leave a, a little wilder and crazier. Like, let's we talk about the ACC coastal. <laughs> let's put like Duke and Carolina in the Big Ten West. Let's uh, 
If Georgia Tech's one and one in the ACC. Let's put them in the Big Ten. Like let, let's let's just add let, let's let's add like all of these kind of similar similarly leveled teams to the Big Ten West and see how many we can get to go five and like you know just finish with around the same conference record. Uh, that that should be the goal. Obviously, somebody's got to be the sacrificial lamb to like Ohio State, but I don't really care who that is. Let's just see how many weird scenarios we can get to, to figure out who that team is. So we'll form a super conference, but a super conference of mediocrity. Yes. Perfect. This is like this is like the Thursday night football game of, of CBS's new uh, new deal with the Big Ten here. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna watch it because it's football, but it's not gonna be anything uh, you know worth worth writing home about. I can't wait. I can't wait to to uh, and and hopefully they'll air the the Big Ten championship on a Tuesday night when no <laughs> one's watching. <laughs> <laughs> but moving right along what do you think about this uh, uh hopefully you didn't go all in on syracuse this weekend ksd because if so you should have gotten your money back but you're you're it's probably just going to be a push because i don't i don't know if you heard about this syracuse taking on wagner wagner i think they're 55 point favorites somewhere around there blowing the doors off of them and at halftime the teams decide to go to 10-minute third and fourth quarters. Well, there is a caveat when you're dealing with Vegas that for a college football game to count, 55 minutes have to be played, 55 out of the 60 minutes, meaning Syracuse wins the game 59 to nothing, covering the 55-point spread, but tickets do not pay off. It's a push. So if you – I mean – don't get me wrong. You're a complete degenerate if you're betting Syracuse and <laughs> Wagner or you you just go to Syracuse and you're betting them in the dark every time. But that one, that one would sting a little bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, more to your point of if you're betting a 55-point spread in a Syracuse football game, there's probably – probably something wrong there whether it's with you personally or, or with how how this game is being administered and then the competition that's being played but um but yeah i mean we, i mean we, we've seen this before right like you know every now and then you get a weird you know overmatch normally it's an fbs fcs type deal where um you know they might play a, a running clock uh you know fourth quarter or a shortened you know fourth, I, fourth quarter I, I have never seen it where it was both the third and fourth quarter were shortened like this before so that that's a new one for me but also again until last week i've never seen a team kick off from the plus 35 until syracuse did it so i don't know syracuse is a syracuse is being innovative this year i do appreciate that that's true now this is a story i'm probably going to leave out uh, too many details but it was okay. a it was an old barstool story. I it was well before my time. I actually don't read barstool too much anymore anyway. But uh, I guess one of the original barstool guys. I don't think he's around. It's not, it's not obviously not Portnoy or anyone like that. But he told this story about when he went to Vegas one time and Wisconsin was playing UNLV and Wisconsin. I think was like a one point underdog and. The line came out and this guy streaked to the window and placed a huge sum of money on Wisconsin. And a, a lot of other people did that to the point where the line swung like nine or 10 points, something crazy. <laughs> anyway, Wisconsin is absolutely power bombing UNLV. And it's in the fourth quarter, they're up by a huge amount. And I think Vegas was on the line for quite a bit of money. 
in this one. Uh-huh. And there's a mysterious power outage with what 10 minutes left to go <laughs> in the fourth quarter. They called the game. So bear in mind, yeah, this is UNLV, University of Nevada, Las Vegas. <laughs> that one seemed a little fishy, but like I said, that was that well, was from quite a at least we didn't have that sort of shenanigans going on with Syracuse. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like I feel like you know. It's it's very Buffalo Wild Wings button sounding, you know. Um, <laughs> but I mean, when you're when you're in Vegas, you know, and you're UNLV, you kind of pull those strings. But you know, speaking of the Buffalo Wild Wings button, um, I, I would like to go ahead and declare Houston our, our Buffalo Wild Wings button team of the year because um, they uh, they they play Friday night against Tulane in a game that saw uh, a lot of Aaron Judge at bats, but um. Tulane's like final drive regulation to tie the game was basically us just watching a dude throw warm up pitches. But Houston has now played what they played five games on the year one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. So they're, they're two and three. They, they beat UTSA. They beat Rice. Uh, both those games were close. They lost to Texas Tech, Kansas, and, and Tulane. But in five games, this was Houston's third overtime game of the season. They, they beat UTSA week one in overtime, lost to Texas Tech in overtime, and then lost at home to Tulane in overtime. So um, they are the uh, Buffalo Wild Wings button team of the year. Uh, Buffalo Wild Wings, throw throw some of these boys uh, some, some NIL bags and get them, uh, get them all beefed up on some awesome wings and some awesome free beer. Yeah, so our team of the year so far, our favorite team of the year was up until this point was App State. I had an easy game with Citadel. They kind of lost their maybe they lost their <laughs> mojo. We have to slide Houston in as our as our. They, they've they've earned an easy one. <laughs> like it was too, it was too much to keep track of. I mean, like it's, it's getting kind of ridiculous. They they definitely earned an easy one. But yeah, I mean, what they went by like forty or something. Yeah, they, you're right. They did earn the easy one. But let's keep an eye on Dana Holgerson and and track his bets what if, as the t- and and consumption of of red bull and vodka as as the year goes on (laughs) well now now we need to speak an app state houston bowl game into existence i don't even know with like the (laughs) tie-ins if that's something that could could happen or not but i mean i do feel like that that's something that that could potentially be on the table and i think we need to try to will that one to happen just just like we'll use the powers we uh we use to get uh game day to kansas to try to get a uh app state houston bowl game yeah, can, that would be we, that would be must-watch television. Absolutely. Can we can we transition to the SEC real quick? Um, there's a couple couple SEC notes from from yesterday. First, I'll I'll start with something that's tangentially actually football, and let's talk about Auburn and LSU. Um, obviously Auburn LSU is always an an insane uh, game in the SEC. I mean, there's been you know countless number of just stupid endings. I mean, there was the one where. Well, like the basketball arena was on fire at Auburn or something like, you know, there's all, all there's something crazy happens in this game every year. Uh, this year, really, I mean, as far as the, the, the stupidity factor that was definitely there yesterday, um, Auburn jumps out to a 17 nothing lead, ends up losing 21 to 17. Auburn threw the, maybe the worst like running back pass I've ever seen. They threw an interception uh, in the red zone on a, on a running back pass that was just absolutely horrendous you have to go go watch the replay but um the, the, the larger point I want to make about this is so neither LSU or Auburn is particularly good this year Auburn's prop Auburn not probably they are the worst team in the SEC West um LSU is LSU is okay I guess they're ranked for some reason this week I don't really understand that especially since Florida State has the same record and isn't ranked but that's a whole different conversation but um 
what I want to say is neither one of these teams are particularly all that great, right? And I think this game kind of reflected that in the level of weirdness that we had compared to L- normal LSU Auburn games. Because we get normally LSU Auburn is a you know a top 20 matchup and things get really, really weird. Well, things got weird yesterday too, but kind of in a way that was like, this is a, a, a mediocrely weird by Auburn LSU standards, if that makes sense. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like it, it wasn't, it wasn't full, it wasn't full ass, you know, right. that shit LSU Auburn, <laughs> but it was still, but it was still plenty weird. But like the weirdness appropriately reflected the level of the teams playing is, is, is what I'm trying to say. Right. But uh, so SEC note number two is, is my more important SEC note of, of the day from, from yesterday. And this, and this comes from Ole Miss, Kentucky. Now, um, Ole Miss Kentucky was was a banger of a game. Um, Ole Miss gets uh, gets the win wearing real tree uh, helmets and, and Lane Kiffin wearing the real tree hoodie and whatnot. But um, we had uh, we we had the battle of Sig Nu uh, in the stands at Ole Miss. I can't I, I can't remember ever seeing this happen quite to this extent. So we had what clearly was they was an inter in, inter intra inter I don't know. Uh, Two fraternities fighting is what this is what we're what we're getting at here in the in the stands at Ole Miss and obviously these were frat brothers because one group is uh, is a group of pledges wearing you know the the traditional pledge um you know jacket and tie for uh for the game and the other group is you know just dudes in, in game day polos and then whatnot but um I mean this was a what like probably thirty person fight like there's just tons of dudes throwing hands all all Ole Miss guys in a in the student section so I I. Again, I'm guessing one of these had to be Sig New, just based off vibes and vibes only. I'm gonna guess the other uh, other group, maybe maybe SAE, uh, might might be the other uh, the other offender here. But I don't know. Well, what, what say you, Jason? Yeah, it, I mean, there was a tremendous amount of. I think it was probably set some sort of record. Tremendous amount of of boat shoes in a Donnybrook. <laughs> I think that has to be recorded somewhere, at least for posterity's sake, because. The amount of blazers and ties and and boat shoes in a brawl, I don't think it can ever be surpassed again. Well, and see, the, the, <laughs> the thing I want to know about this is is um what what happens in a fight like this where, where everybody's dad's a, a lawyer? You know, it's like everybody you know, you're doing the well, you know, you know who my dad is. Well, every, oh, well, everybody's doing the well, who you know who my dad is. You know who my dad is. Like if everybody's dad's a lawyer, what what happens here? I think all the lawsuits end up canceling each other out. Everybody just passes a check to the right and then you end up with the same <laughs> amount of money that you started with yeah, it was yeah, off, it was off, definitely off, a spectacular offsetting penalties i think i think we just replay first down <laughs> Re- replay the brawl offsetting's offsetting <laughs> civil suits yes yeah just yeah, getting yeah, I mean, getting quick quickly back to um the auburn lsu before we leave it i did see this stat this is a great stat and it will probably lead to more coaches namely brian harson being fired <laughs> brian harson's last eight games against power five competition in the second half this is the amount of points they scored against ole miss three texas a&m zero mississippi state six south carolina three alabama three penn state six mizzou zero lsu zero so the second half is when you make your adjustments at halftime i think he has the wrong idea about making adjustments i think he's going the wrong way but i think you pointed this out we've had a coach fired at least one coach fired every single week now i think two were fired this week with carl Durrell yeah. and then paul chris harson seems to be the next one up with with stats like this yeah i i think if you're brian harson the play here is you you have to 
you have to convince the the refs to do a ceremonial coin toss at halftime. Like you have to come out of the <laughs> halftime locker room. Like you, so you, you you do like have have Auburn do the same hype video they do before the team runs out of the locker room before the game. You do all the smoke. You get the band on the field lining the tunnel. You run the team out just like it's before the game. You you do you, you somehow convince the refs to do some sort of ceremonial coin toss that means absolutely nothing, and then and then you play. If you, I mean if if they do that, Auburn's winning the national championship. Like I don't see how you how you beat them if you if you convince them that every single down they play is the first half. Yeah, you know what it reminds me of. I don't know if you've ever argued with a sports fan that where they'll bring up some non full game iteration argument where they yep. say yep. We, we were beating them through three quarters it's like yeah, pal. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why it's four quarters long and that's kind of where auburn is we were beating them at halftime we were doing well at halftime but well auburn auburn's the auburn is literally the the meme of the guy who said uh, we uh, they had us in the first half not gonna lie except for auburn <laughs> auburn's the ones that, that that does the having like they they have whoever they're playing in the first half and then uh, and then the other team is the is the guy giving the the, the post game presser about uh, get, have been being had in the first half. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, <laughs> one thing you mentioned is you mentioned Syracuse being kind of a the weird innovators. How about a former Orangeman, your boy Tommy DeVito is four and one at Illinois, and maybe put up the stat line of the millennium again. I know I've said this before. We're early on the millennium. This might be it. Seven rushes for minus two yards with three rushing touchdowns. That is like some next level mind bending stuff. Now I know <laughs> probably some of the sacks he got counted against yeah. him, and that's how it works in college. They they pin it to the the quarterback versus the team as they do in the NFL. But just that stat line alone, that is a what's the uh, what's the NBA player that they always put the stat line up where he got all uh, zeros. Uh-huh. Tony, to, um, to, uh, to, uh, Tony Snell, um, Tony Snell, right? New, New, that was, New Mexico's uh, finest. That was Snell esque in that. I don't know if something <laughs> like that will ever be able to be touched again. Well, the thing too about it is, like, if you look at that stat line and see, I mean, obviously you see the three touchdowns, which kind of makes the stat, you know. Um, but seven rushes for negative two rushing yards from your quarterback. I don't think you would uh, assume that they win that game by twenty four points. <laughs> Um, but uh, but again, that's maybe another reason why firing Paul Chris kind of kind of makes sense. Um, I want to talk about one specific play here, real quick from uh, from Saturday, and this this is one of my uh, one of my contenders for for play of the day. Uh, this comes via Troy and Western Kentucky. Now Troy obviously lost on the hail mary to App State, so they've been on the uh, the, uh, the 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 show before, but also on um on the end of uh, some weirdness. Uh, but in the fourth quarter, about six minutes left, Troy's up two touchdowns at Western Kentucky. Uh, fourth and 11 played Western Kentucky deep in their own territory. Um, throws a pass. They throw a pass that gets tipped to the line of scrimmage and it, it ends up being caught by an offensive lineman who, who then runs for the first down. Um, Troy, Western Kentucky ends up losing this game by seven. I believe they score on that drive. So that play didn't actually matter. But um, we got to find some some way to uh, to reward this, but more so than just missing it on the podcast. I know SB Nation uh, back in the day had had the Piesman Trophy. We might need to 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 uh, to, to re uh, reinvigorate that and bring that into consideration here. But that um, we we just need more more ways for offensive linemen to touch the football, and every time they do, we need to just cherish that moment. It was a it was a great play for a couple reasons. First one is he caught the ball and. For a split second, just stood there. Like, I mean, for a split, like, 
what do I do now? But then he's like, oh, oh my God, I got to, I got to run. And here's my favorite thing when offensive linemen are running. Normally we've, I think we've mentioned this before on an award-winning podcast, they carry the ball like a loaf of bread, but then they're so easily tackled because inevitably (laughs) the, 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 the D lineman or, you know, the DB just cut them low. Right. And they just, flop to the earth with just such a, a like a vociferous thunder and it's always funny because there's no athleticism right it's just like blah, 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 and they, they just get cut and then they <laughs> smack the earth and this guy did that exact thing I mean you can put a million uh, linemen who've ever run the ball and gotten tackled they would all fit in this exact motion right right yeah yeah I mean there's normally there's normally the uh the, the, the typical cadence for how a, a, a lineman move down the field with with or without the ball it looks about the same um except for the only difference is they're not actively trying to get tackled when that when they don't have the ball here but um speaking of speaking of tackling i want to talk about a team who uh who's not doing very much of that right now i want to talk about oklahoma um <laughs> for for a couple of reasons here so oklahoma the last the last two weeks has given up 96 points um in, in back-to-back losses uh, they lost obviously they lose the kids stayed at home last weekend they get absolutely thumped by TCU to uh, yesterday in another game that saw plenty of plenty of Aaron Judge uh, at bats as well. But um, so couple couple things about Oklahoma here. First is obviously you know the low hanging fruit here is oh ha 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 their defense sucks and Brent Venables is supposed to be the defensive guru who was supposed to come in and fix it. You know blah blah blah. I I, I like to be a to, to be more of a, a, a refined uh, refined person when it comes to, to jokes and humor. So I'm not going to, to to make that that easy low hanging uh, low hanging connection there. What I am going to say is the here, here's the good news for Oklahoma. So Oklahoma's three and two on the season. They've beat UTEP, they beat Kent State, they beat Nebraska. All three programs of about the same quality at this point. Um, but th- th- their two losses are to Kansas State and TCU. Now, what, what's the one thing besides being in the Big Twelve that Kansas State and TCU have in common? They're purple. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> they are purple. Now, um, looking at their schedule here, there is no more purple on the Oklahoma schedule. But in, in games where Oklahoma was playing teams, again, UTEP, Kent State, Nebraska, three exactly equal football programs, none of which are purple, they have given up a total of 16, 30 points. So they're, so they're giving up thir- uh, 10 points a game against non-purple teams. And in the last two weeks against the purple teams, they are giving up, ni- they gave up 96 points in two games divided by to 48 uh 48 a game against against purple teams so um by uh by, by math and science here we, we can determine that um things are looking up for oklahoma on the rest of the schedule since they don't they don't play kansas state or tcu i think they're still you know they're, they're, they're going to figure it out they probably won't sustain giving up 10 a game but i wouldn't expect it to be 48 either i don't know what it is about about purple maybe it's their they're still, you know, purple is supposed to be a color of royalty and regality and stuff. And maybe they're still sad about the queen dying, and that's uh, that's affecting their play against the purple teams. I, I don't know, um, but no more purple teams left on the schedule, so I think they should uh, just feel good about that. Well, if they ever play on the road, whoever the stadium is, they definitely need to pump in some prints <laughs> just just to try and channel some some purple. But I don't know if you saw. Um, Texas super fan Kyle Umlang, he uh yep. he tweeted out uh the Red River shootout. He said Texas yep. is wearing some alternate jerseys and he had them he <laughs> photoshopped them purple instead of burnt orange. Well, this this poses the question. This poses the question of like, you know, th- this would be a um unstoppable force, a movable object, you know, type type question. What if what if Oklahoma played Northwestern? 
Because mm. um, well, because I mean, because Nebraska, <laughs> Nebraska lost to Northwestern, and Oklahoma obviously crushed Nebraska. But so by that, you know, by that um transitive property, you would think Oklahoma probably crushes Northwestern. Plus, North, everybody knows Northwestern is bad and, and whatnot. But you have to account for for the purpleness of Northwestern here, uh, and and Oklahoma's defense against purple. I, I do think uh, the Wildcats pose a threat to the Sooners for that reason and that reason only. Well, you know, one of the the under I wasn't talked about. By I think a lot of the mainstream people might have missed it, but do you know who was the uh, what was it the offensive coordinator for TCU? It was Lincoln Riley's brother. Yep. <laughs> yeah, which again, if you if you want to think about Lincoln Riley, where did Oklahoma get Lincoln Riley from? From ECU. What color does ECU wear? <laughs> Purple. See, so, you know, it all it all it all comes together here. You got Lincoln Riley still vexing Oklahoma. And then you got uh-huh. Brett Bielema ending, you know, with Illinois ending Paul Chris run at, at Wisconsin. It's just revenge city. I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but Brett, Brett Bielema is one thousand percent naked in his house right now. Like, <laughs> like he, he has he has not worn an article of clothing since Wisconsin fired Paul Chris today. And did you see too where um with the game with so since um Illinois won yesterday, Paul Paul Chris um had, I think is he has sixty seven career wins at, at Wisconsin um, and uh, he is uh, one spot behind Brett Bielema on the all-time Wisconsin wins list. Brett Bielema had 68 wins. So Are you serious? Kept, kept, kept him from tying <laughs> him yesterday and got him fired at the same time. Oh my God. What? That's unbelievable. Yep. Yep. Um, real quickly, one, one last purple comment I want to, I want to bring up. Uh, let's talk about, can we talk about Dabo real quick? Since Clemson kind of wears purple. Yeah. Um, the, the, the person that at game day with the sign that with the, the DILF spelling and Dabo is looking <laughs> fine. Um, that just created images in my head about Dabo Sweeney. I can never get out now. And so just in my head, I gotta be in all y'all's head now too. That's true. I think that's going to be the perfect bow to wrap up this week's edition of Pipeline Award-winning podcast, which we talk about the weird, the wild, the wacky, and joined as always by KSD. Remember to follow him on Twitter at Pregame Empire. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Pipeline underscore. And please leave us a five-star review. Subscribe to the pod. We just really appreciate all the support you guys give us. And we'll see you guys next time on the Pipeline Award-winning podcast.